This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Movie Addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Frank Reddy. How's it going? We are back from our holiday hiatus. How was your break, Frank? It was great. How was yours, Andrew? It was pretty good. I saw a lot of movies. We'll be talking a little bit about that. But uh, first, I need to say that this is episode number 11 of Cinema Fix, and this is the show on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and how it works is each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of whatever big film we're discussing that week. Uh, that way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time checking out. And then the second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion about the film uh, that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the film and, and you would like a more in-depth conversation about what works and what doesn't, definitely check out part two. Uh, this week the movie we're going to be discussing is Steven Soderbergh's Haywire. But before we get into that, Frank, we've it's it's been a while since we've done an episode of the show. And I wanted to find out if you saw anything interesting over the break. I saw a couple of uh, things that I really enjoyed. Um, it was fun. There was a lot of, of things out. Um, I saw Tintin, The Adventures of Tintin. How was it? I still haven't had a chance to see Tintin. I liked it. Um, you know, there were parts of it that, that I thought, um, where I was like, you know, okay, let's move this along a little bit. Let's let's keep it going. But um, the motion capture was great. Um, obviously, Spielberg directing... You know, an action adventure story like that isn't going to disappoint. And, you know, I'm obviously partial because it's about a journalist having all these great adventures. So it's a great little piece of escapism for journalism students like ourselves. But I would recommend it. Now, speaking of Spielberg, you and I both saw War Horse. We did. I don't know if we're going to record a show on it, but it was a good film. It was a good film. I think you liked it more than I did. I think I did like it more than you did. But... I would still recommend that people go check out War Horse. I think it's worth seeing. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, um, again, I think it's probably vintage Spielberg in terms of just... Um, it, it really covers all the themes of his filmography yeah. in one movie. And some people are going to like that. Other people aren't. Yeah, there was some sentimentality to it that I think turned you off a little bit. Not so much the sentiment sentimentality... There was, you know what, we should probably, later, in a few weeks, maybe, we'll record a show about War Horse, because I think there's some interesting things going on in War Horse. Some things that I think work really well, and other things that kind of concern me a little bit. But I think we'd have a good discussion about it. So we should come back and, and talk about it. Okay, I could do that. Um, and we also both saw Young Adult, and I think we both really liked that. Yeah, I enjoyed Young Adult. It was, it, it was interesting departure, you know, Jason Reitman directed it, and it seemed... Um, Different from some of his other work. I feel like he's becoming more cynical. Yeah, that's a good he, way to put it. As, as he makes movies. Each one of his films, as it, as they progress, seem to get a little darker yeah. in terms of their protagonists. And Young Adult stars Charlize Theron as one of the ugliest, just most self-absorbed, 
terrible people I think I can I, I've seen in in one of his films. Yeah, she's the most clueless narcissist you'll ever meet. She's a narcissist who has absolutely no idea she's a narcissist. She's deluded. Right, and that's what made it interesting to me is she, you know, she wasn't a stupid character, but she was still had just she. she you know, it's interesting because she's a character that's caught up in the past. Yeah, and I feel like you could argue. In some ways, we as a nation, or especially at the movies this past year, we've been caught up in the past with all these remakes, with all these, you know, revivals of 80s properties, with all of these um, homages to past cinema like The Artist and, and Hugo to some extent. I, I'm wondering if Reitman was trying to just make a comment on our generation and the fact that movies do seem to be being made. They're they're being made for young adults, to some extent. People that aren't quite fully grown up yet, maybe, or or just they haven't realized how to fully live in the present. It's I mean it's possible. I mean I, you know I I looked at more as just a character who's completely stunted. The character Charlie Stern plays uh, Mavis. She's she's she peaked in high school and she has this whole soap opera now playing out in her head. That's just completely insane. That like no, but everybody gets around her. I think would be like, what are you talking about? I mean, she's essentially struggling to deal with the fact that her American dream isn't coming, hasn't come to pass. Well, it's over. Yeah, she's peaked. It's yeah. all downhill for like the next forty years. Right, right. And it's yeah, it's a really fascinating film. Did you see anything else of interest? Uh, let's see. I saw Sherlock Holmes, which was fun. Um, I think you and I both saw Ghost Protocol and liked it. Oh, we did, yeah, yeah, fun. we did, yeah. That was fun. I, I, I liked it a lot. Brad Bird did a great job. I was impressed. Yeah. Um, if any of our listeners out there see the film, let us know if you find the uh, the pants commercial that occurs in the middle of the movie. It's some of the best product placement I've ever seen. After this big action scene, there, there's a shot of some pants. And I found myself thinking, I want those pants. I want to know what those are so I can go buy them. So really great product placement there in the Ghost Protocol. Did you see anything else? Oh, I saw Beauty and the Beast 3D. Beauty and the Beast 3D. Yeah, so still classic, still a great movie. Not so sure it needed to be in 3D. Actually, I'm positive that it didn't. Um, So 3D is not that great. No. I mean, it just doesn't add anything to it. It's not bad 3D. It just... Now, if our listeners are looking for an example of good 3D, I would highly recommend that you go check out Pina in 3D if you're in New York or L.A. or, or any place where it's showing. It's Vim Vender's documentary. Uh, it's a tribute to the dance choreographer Pina Bausch, and it's essentially an hour and 40 minutes of her dance group doing different dances, and it's in 3D. The camera puts you right in the middle of things, and I, I had never been a big fan of dance performance, but this movie... After seeing this film, I was like, I get it. I understand why people dance now. It was It's so beautiful. I was almost weeping by the end. If, if you have a chance to see Pina, go see it, dear listeners. That's going to be my main plug, I think, for this segment is Pina. Go see Pina. Yeah, we were in New York for a class trip when he saw that, and we were sharing a hotel room. And you could just – I was laying away, awake in bed all night just listening to him sob next to me. Oh, yeah. Under the covers, <laughs> just weeping. Frank, it was so beautiful. <laughs> they were dancing and oh my god no but really it's a it's a good film you should check it out um i saw shame which was good very well crafted i've got i'm, I'm so proud i've seen it but it's it's a good film 
Uh, I saw it after I saw Hugo. Two very different films mm-hmm. there, going from Hugo, you know, about the, the kid who discovers this big sort of film preservation plot, so to speak, and Shame, NC-17, Michael Fassbender as a sex addict. Two very different films, but both good. I would imagine they were very different films. Yeah. So uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get into Haywire? No, I think I'm good. I think I'm covered. Okay. Well, then let's talk Haywire. This is the new film directed by Steven Soderbergh, who is a really interesting filmmaker. He goes all he, he goes all over the place. I mean, he's made big budget films like the Ocean's Eleven series. He's made really small, independent avant-garde films like Bubble and The Girlfriend Experience. Uh, last year, he directed Contagion which I thought was pretty good. Um, and now he's back with, 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 with Haywire. Yeah. So, Frank, why don't you sum up for our listeners what Haywire is about? Uh, Haywire is basically what I, I guess is now the requisite spy plot for any spy movie is about a woman who works as a con- independent contractor for uh, a private security firm, and she's double-crossed on a mission and is now on the outs with both uh, her agency and the U.S. government and has to go on basically this rampage to figure out who framed her and why. Yeah, and it's, it, the interesting thing about the film is it stars Gina Carano, who is a professional mixed martial artist, uh, fairly famous from what I understand in, in that realm of things. And this is her big screen acting debut. Um, and it also stars Michael Fassbender, uh, Michael Douglas, Antonio Banderas, Ewan McGregor, lots of big people in this film. Here's a clip. Paul has presented himself as one half of a power couple. This is your pitch? You want me to be eye candy? MI6 wants me to be eye candy? Mallory, you were the eye. I don't even know how to play that. I don't wear the dress. Paul wear the dress. Well, I'll ask. Look, do this, and then we'll go away afterwards. We'll go to Mallorca. Mallorca? Not like before. As friends, you can take a break. It's literally two days. Paul. That's Paul. You guys would be like the perfect couple. Okay, Frank, let's... Because this is part one of our discussion, let's just take ten minutes to give our brief thoughts on Haywire and whether or not we think people should go see it. What did you think of the film? I enjoyed it a lot, um, you know, which is odd because the story itself is um, very simple, very straightforward. And, you know, like I said before, it's a story, like if you've seen the Mission Impossible movies, they've done like this same story at least three times where it's the agent who either is double-crossed by the agency or framed and has to go now go against the system she used to work for, and it's one person against, you know, this big, all-powerful force. It's I mean, I think it's just basically a staple of any spy movie, but I think that um, Soderbergh has such a unique style in a way that it helps it feel a little bit more new, a little bit fresher. And also, I mean, part of that style, too, is is almost having no styles, being very matter-of-fact with the fight scenes. And, uh, mm. like, it wasn't stylized. There's not a lot of quick cuts. It's just a lot of it just kind of plays out. I, I'm going to disagree with you slightly there. Oh, no. I think that there 
are, I think on the surface, it's a very simple film. Yeah. Like you said. But there are a few moments that I was thinking back on after I saw the film, and I realized, oh my goodness, that was actually really uniquely shot. Mm -hmm. He chooses to frame things, and he chooses to have scenes play out in some visually in some really intriguing ways. But he's so good, you almost take it for granted. Yeah, I think. And it just it like you said, it just, just it does kind of come across as very matter of fact. Yeah, it doesn't draw attention to itself. No, it's very um, it blends very well. It's not stylish for the sake of stylishness. Right. I got to ask, what did you think of Gina Carano? Because this is kind of meant to be her kind of big breakout role. Kind of like how in The Girlfriend Experience he cast Sasha Gray, yeah. the porn star, and was kind of like, well, my protagonist is a high-end escort. I guess I'll hire this porn star I like. Yeah. And put her on the big screen. Here he's kind of like, well, this protagonist needs to know how to fight. Yeah. So I'll cast a mixed martial artist. Well, I've read that I think he actually he built the whole movie around her. Like he, he right. wrote the movie for her. So do you think it worked? I think it worked. I think I think it fit just because of the tone he set up for the movie, where all, I think all the acting was very um, naturalistic. Like there really wasn't a lot of uh, there really wasn't any melodrama or anything really? like that. Really? Like well, there wasn't like a lot of big over the top cheesy. Oh, I disagree. Really? Yeah. Some of the dialogue in this movie felt like it it came straight out of of, of just the low budget B action film. And I think that may have been what he was going for. Yeah. Here's the thing about Gina Carano to me. I think she has incredible screen presence. Yeah. Like, she's on screen and I'm, I can't look away. It's yeah. like, I know this woman's tough. This woman can kick my ass. And they, they, they do this interesting thing in regards to her femininity where you, you're supposed to get the impression that she she's uncomfortable in dresses yeah. and kind of being, quote unquote, eye candy. Yeah. And she manages to give you that sense that she's uncomfortable while still looking gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, I think, was impressive. When it comes to dialogue and delivering certain lines, ugh, I not, that, not so much. I think there are some lines that you just can't save. Like, no matter how I, good you are, I don't, I, know. I don't think I, you... There's something about her. And, I, you know, I've read certain reports that they that her voice is a little weird yeah, and they had to digitally alter it somewhat yeah. for, for certain lines. And maybe that had something to do with it. But to me, it was half and half. There were certain scenes where I thought she delivered the dialogue fine. And then other scenes where I was just like, Oh my God, take some acting lessons, please. No, I know. I agree with you. I think there were some moments that fell flat for me where you could tell that she wasn't, you could definitely tell she was a beginner. Right. Like even in the trailer, I think there's a key line where she's like, she's got her face, painted up and yeah. she's like looking out and she's like I'm coming to get you or something. She said some stock yeah. key line and the way she delivered it I was just like what? Yeah <laughs> I, I agree with you but I think that the I don't think it was as obvious as it could have been had um, the other more experienced. I think I just think Soderbergh set a tone where everything felt a little bit it didn't feel as movie-esque for a type of movie like that as, as it could have. Right. Like, I think it would have stood out a little bit more had the movie been, like, Mission Impossible and she'd been, like, opposite Tom Cruise or Jeremy Renner, both of who are used to, like, a, like a, the movie, a movie style of acting down. Right. I, I think it's forgivable just because, as you mentioned, the plot is so cliché to some extent. Yeah. It is so 
bare bones formula. We've seen this before. We're not really here for the story. We're here to just see some kick-ass action. And on that level, I think it, it definitely delivers. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell this is not a stunt double. This woman knows how to fight. And this is probably the first film I've seen coming out of the United States that does a good job of capturing the, the, the more acrobatic Hong Kong style of mixed martial arts, which personally, I that's my favorite type of martial arts. I think it, it, if you get a good MMA artist, that kind of thing can be really incredible to watch. And this is the first American film I've seen where I was actually legitimately impressed by the by the mixed martial arts. Yeah, this were... isn't this isn't like your your warrior style UFC. I'm just gonna punch, 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 and then knee, knee, and yeah, it's it's much more inventive than mm-hmm. that in terms of the fight choreography. What what did you think of the action? I thought it was pretty cool. Like I said, I liked the way that he framed it, and I liked um, how again he didn't give it like a movie flavor like it would just kind of played out he took a he took he takes what's a very outlandish genre by nature and i think he tried to ground it a little bit right by not overly stylizing it let, let me ask you this what do you think of the of the story because we mentioned that it is very simplistic it, it is very formulaic and yet the the details of the conspiracy and why she was betrayed and all of this stuff the way he structures the film it's at times very hard to follow it is. And, you know, I'm even looking back on it this morning as I was getting ready. It was hard to kind of put – you get like what – what you understand like the very basics of what happened. Right. The specifics are fuzzy. And there's a key flashback that occurs probably three-fourths of the way through the film where that kind of reveals everything. And once that happened, I was like, oh, okay. I think I understand. I think it all makes sense now. But as the movie was progressing up to that point, I was kind of struggling to keep up. And part of me thinks that's a strength because it was it you know Soderbergh's not spoon feeding the audience. He's like, hey, pay attention. Well, yeah, I got the impression that, and I don't know if I'm right, is that he kind of made the choice to kind of gloss over certain aspects of it very quickly, because we have seen this plot so many times. It's just you know, if you're in the audience, if you've seen another spy movie, you you know what's happening. You don't need to be reminded. And, and the plot in this case, I think, is just an engine to fuel, like you said, the action and some explosions. I think it would have been worse and, and more unforgivable had he really stopped and dwelled, like slowed the story down enough to dwell on it. Instead, he keeps it moving enough and keeps you, keeps your interest peaked long enough to get through it. Yeah, it's a really fast-paced movie that just chugs along, and at times I think that works super well. And then at other times, I just kind of wanted to be like, whoa, 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 slow down, back up. Let me make sure I understand who this character is and what their role is and, and what yeah. their motivation is. So it's kind of a mixed bag, but but overall, would you recommend that people go see Haywire? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I think you'll have a good time. I think that um, if you like action movies, if you like spy movies, this one has has a lot of fun stuff to offer, and and, and you get to see, I think, a slightly unusual take on it with Soderbergh, a slightly different style. I, yeah, I would agree. I would say definitely go check it out. Don't expect a groundbreaking genre redefining action masterpiece it's not that but it, it it's good and yeah. considering we've seen this plot a million times before i think soderbergh makes a few stylistic choices that raise the bar yeah a little bit i would agree um so yeah I, i'd say if you're looking for a january film to go see go see haywire go see haywire yeah 
Alright, well I think that will wrap it up for part one of our discussion of Haywire. Be sure to tune in next week when we will be discussing Liam Neeson in The Grey. The Grey. Are you looking forward to The Grey? Not really. I gotta tell you, I can't wait. Liam Neeson has a new action film out every January and they're always a lot of fun. I gotta confess, part of me kind of wants to imagine it as a sequel to Taken, in which his daughter was kidnapped by super intelligent wolves out into the uh, wilderness to be sold into sex slavery. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a science fiction twist. You don't say. Yeah. Science fiction. <laughs> Not docudrama. Nope. Nope. <laughs> he, he's in the woods to get back his, his daughter. Well, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you like this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us uh, get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, we're, we're putting all this content out for free, and it does cost money. So anything you can do to help support us, you have you have no idea. We, we really do rely on, on your support to, to survive and keep developing content. We, we appreciate the help. Frank, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at FJReady. Uh, and my blog, quite frankly, television.com. Quite frankly, television. Yes. All right. You, you switched over. Now you're, you're television oriented. It takes you to quite frankly entertainment. I just haven't quite figured out how to change the address yet. <laughs> okay. My tech guy's on it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find some of my writing at www.thecoolishopeffect.com. That's K-U-L-E-S-H-O-V effect.com. I recently blogged about the, the trip that we took to New York. I included a few notes on some of the films I saw there. And uh, in a few days, I will be posting, uh, it's long overdue, my top favorite films of, uh, of this past year, 2011. It was a fantastic year, and it's been really hard for me to narrow down my, my favorite films. Yeah, he's been cheating. Yeah. He's been cheating. He's been including films from 2010. Well, it's because I saw them in 2011 because they were released here in 2011. That's It's tough when you're making a list. You figure out, wait, if I saw it on a festival this year but it doesn't come out until next year, can I include it? If it played at festivals last year but it's getting a nationwide release this year, can I can I include it? Ah, it's tough. But there were a lot of good films that came out this year regardless, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know that you're a listener, and I will uh, follow you back. All right, that'll wrap it up for today's show. I'm Andrew Johnson. And I'm Frank Reddy. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!